Today, we begin to unwrap the gifts of our seven principles. Our seven principles are the gift that keeps on giving. And today we lift up two parts, our love for freedom and our love for equity. Freedom shows up in our fourth principle, a free and responsible search for truth and meaning. And equity shows up in our second principle, justice, equity, and compassion in human relations. So last week, we brought in our feelings, we made room for our feelings. And this week, we bring in our ideas, we make room for our ideas. How we live our principles is not a simple matter. The song of our principles is not a simple song, it is a complex song with multiple rhythms, multiple melodies, because we have multiple ways of engaging with our principles and engaging with life. We don't agree on what freedom looks like or what equity looks like. But still, coming through the music, there is a beat that I believe we all feel, the beat of truth, freedom, equity, justice, compassion, conscience, democracy, interdependence. We're tuning into freedom and equity today because they are two values that were part of the tension of the last year. Yes, part of the tension was because of personalities, approaches, and the histories of the people involved. But part of the tension was because our values don't always dance together in harmony. Sometimes our principles bump up against each other. This is a personal topic. It is about how we are in the world, who we are free to be or not free to be, who we are called to be or not called to be. And since this is personal, I'll begin by sharing something personal. This is something that will be evident as soon as you meet me in person. I am tall. I don't look tall on Zoom. We're all the same height on Zoom. I don't look tall on Zoom because my laptop is propped up on books and my desk is propped up on four by fours. But I am tall. In grade nine, I was short for my grade. I shot up in grade 10 and by grade 11, I was taller than most of my teachers. At age 18, I was six foot three. At age 20, I think I was six foot five. And when I joined the tall club of Montreal, I measured in at six foot six and three quarters, which I usually round to six foot seven. So I have experienced what it is to be below average height. I have experienced what it is to be average height. And I have experienced what it is to be absurdly tall. As I grew beyond average height, some advantages became evident. I could see unhindered in a crowd. No more would I have to work my way through a crowd to try to find my friends or try to find the exit. No more would I have to crane my neck around people in order to see the stage or the movie screen. So I had a clear view of life. 
but growing taller also had its disadvantages. Standing in a circle with my friends, I often couldn't hear what they were saying, especially if it was a crowded room. They were just that much farther away. When I wash dishes, uh, it's bad for my posture. I have to duck under doorways and slouch in cars. But most of all, there is no longer any point going to clothing stores. Clothing stores simply do not have clothing that fits me. My height is freeing in some ways and my height marginalizes me in other ways. Now I use the example of my height because it is a light example. Nobody is out in the streets protesting height. We can use height to talk about freedom and equity because it's a light example. And that makes it easier to see things from different perspectives. And if height is a charged issue for you, you're welcome to check in, be glad to talk. So sometimes our focus is on freedom and there's so much work for us to do on freedom. The insurrection of January 6th threatened our electoral system and our democracy. The control of social media by a few companies threatens our freedom to communicate. And if I understand correctly, in your country, an atheist politician is not free to say that they're atheist. They have to pretend to be theist in order to get elected. Also, bureaucracies tend to encroach on individual freedom. Human nature can be susceptible to groupthink, to tribalism, to the urge to dominate, to confirmation bias. And as UU humanist Anthony Pinn put it, we can collapse into the familiar. We need people to be free to shake things up and see beyond limits. We need people advocating for freedom. And sometimes our focus is on equity and there is so much work to do on equity. Lobbyists buy favors for their clients. Businesses get away with polluting if it only affects poor neighborhoods. Oregon's racist history is not just history. Not everyone has a bathroom that they can safely use. Some tall people still stand in the way. In a busy and complex world, it can be too easy to not notice other people's predicaments. So we need people advocating for equity. We need to attend to freedom and we need to attend to equity. But if we only focus on freedom, we can crowd out equity. And if we only focus on equity, we can crowd out freedom. This is because freedom and equity often bump into each other. So here's an example. I was in a dance workshop once. At the start of a session, we were sitting in a circle in the middle of the dance floor. And the teacher invited us to look around the circle and notice how far apart we were sitting. He then said that he teaches this workshop all around the world. When he teaches in Brazil, people sit closer together. When he teaches in Germany, people sit further apart. All nationalities have something in common. They all sit at a distance that feels comfortable. 
The difference is that they have different norms about what feels comfortable. He found that in Brazil, people felt normal when they were close together. And he found that in Germany, people felt normally normal when they were further apart. I'm guessing that there is a norm at UUCCWC about how far apart people stand at coffee hour. It's not exact and there will be variation. You know, maybe some of us are from Brazil or Germany, but I'm guessing that there is a norm. Two visitors might come to the church and one visitor might be thinking, why do Unitarians stand so close together? And the other visitor might be thinking, why do Unitarians stand so far apart? That's a simple example, and it might not be a deal breaker for anyone, uh, but just the simple norm of how far apart we stand will make some people feel comfortable at UUCCWC and some people will feel uncomfortable. And culture is made up of myriad norms like this. So other norms include, do we talk over each other? How often do we use hand gestures when we talk? How exuberant are we? How much effort do we put into our appearance? How much vulnerability do we share? I wonder if it's easier to see some of the norms in our congregation by comparing it to other areas of your life, your neighborhood, your job, um, places you've traveled. Not just the good ways that we are different, but also just the run of the mill ways that we are different. What are our norms? And let's take a moment to remember that we don't know all of our norms. We don't know the water that we're swimming in. It goes unnoticed and unnamed by members of the culture, even as visitors see it immediately. So what do visitors see as soon as they walk in the door? Let's suppose that we notice that yes, there is a norm at UUCCWC about how far apart we stand. What do we do about that? If I'm feeling the call of freedom, I might say we should all be free to be ourselves. Let's each stand where we want to stand, freedom. Nobody is the boss of me telling me where to stand. If we only choose to care about freedom, to stand where we want, the norm will continue to exist. The unstated message to visitors will be conform. People from diverse backgrounds will come, not feel welcome, and leave. Another option is to say, I'm feeling the call of equity. This place should be a welcoming place regardless of how far apart you like to stand. If we only care about equity, we might do mandatory practice sessions on standing at different distances apart. So imagine the peer pressure to go through those practice sessions. If people are wedded to their norm, they might not feel free to be themselves. A commitment to, diversity, to distance diversity means that people are not free to do what feels normal. So we can't have both. We can't use our freedom to do what feels normal and also broaden our beyond what feels normal so that more people feel at home. I don't want to implement top-down social engineering as a means to make more people feel at home here. 
but I also do want to broaden what feels normal here. I want both freedom and equity here. So what am I to do? I want to feel normal when I go to church and I want other people to feel normal when they come too. And we have different norms. So what am I to do? I don't want to walk, I don't want to walk around on eggshells concerned that my norm will upset someone else. And I don't want other people to walk around on eggshells concerned that their norm will upset me. So what am I to do? I want to stand tall and I don't want to block other people's experience. What am I to do? The good news is that for religious liberals, freedom and equity go hand in hand. I want more freedom for myself and I want more freedom for everyone, especially those who need it the most. Unitarian Universalist minister, Reverend Jack Mendelson, wrote a book called Being Liberal in an, in an Illiberal Age. In the introduction, he describes what it means to be liberal. He writes, the most powerful liberal instinct is a grating hunger for more freedom, more justice, more fairness, more inclusion, more fulfillment for more of Earth's creatures. So do you go along with that? Can you relate to that? I can. More freedom, more equity for everyone. It is a grating hunger. When I only focus on freedom, I feel the hunger for more equity. When I focus only on equity, I feel the hunger for more freedom. It can be tempting to focus on just one. There are enough restrictions on freedom that you could focus on freedom and find plenty to work on. And we fall short of equity in so many ways that you can focus on equity and still have plenty of work to do. But this grating hunger calls me to do both. I'm tall. Being tall gives me great freedom, the freedom to see clearly at a concert. But with that freedom comes a grating hunger, the grating hunger to ensure that everyone can see clearly at the concert. The grating hunger to notice how I take up space. I want to use my freedom to notice who else is in the room and notice who is not in the room and listen and adjust. And I'm tall and being tall marginalizes me in some ways. Clothing stores exclude me because my body isn't normal. And it's tempting to make laws that clothing stores have to have my size in every style of clothing. But my grating hunger for freedom puts a check on my controlling impulses. And I look for solutions that support both freedom and have clothes that fit me. There were hurts last year when freedom bumped into equity. We are tending to those hurts. I send you much love if you are in recovery. I want your light to shine. I want this to be a church where many varied lights shine, including yours.
freedom and equity are in a dance, along with the rest of our values. Sometimes the dance will be beautiful, harmonious, awe-inspiring. Sometimes there will be bumps. May we continue to find meaning as we share this dance together. <laughs>